0: Chapter 16, verses 7 through 13. And while you're turning there, I just want to testify just for a minute here. Um, this week has been wrought with challenges, to say the least. I think it was, I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday, I was, um, I was leaving work a little early, trying to get home because I was going to receive a, pa- a package. And as I was uh, crossing Good Hope, and I was going on the bridge over I-43, um, my car suddenly jerked. And then it just stopped right in the middle of the bridge. And I was right by the on-ramp. So it was very busy, lots of traffic. And I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And the car wasn't moving. It was making this horrible noise as I was trying to accelerate. And I was going nowhere. And I was trying to find my insurance information so I could, like, try and call the tow truck. And I was couldn't find it. I was getting really concerned. And just as I thought, I was like, man, I wish there was someone here to help me, I looked to my right. And right from the on-ramp comes a state patrolman. And he comes and he says, hey, you need help? I was like, yes, I need help. And so he gets behind me, and he pushes my car all the way up Good Hope to 107th Street and turns me on there so I was out of the way of traffic. And so I just want to thank God for that, uh, for doing that. So. And uh, I, th- I think the tow truck driver is here that actually got me here as well. He might be around here somewhere. Uh, but I invited him out to church. So but maybe he's around here. I thought I might have saw him, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, it just happened two days before my birthday, which was kind of a bummer. as so I had to scrap my car, so I was a little bit disgruntled about that. But uh, God is good anyhow. And that just shows you, you can't put your trust in anything that you can see or anything that you can handle. But uh, you have to put your trust and your faith in God. So if you have your Bible, turn to John 16, verse 7, and we'll be reading to verse number 13. John 16, verse 7 simply says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come, come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you, and when he is come, he will prove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them. Now, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. I want to read verse 13 again, because from there I'll be primarily taking my, my thought, which simply says this, how be it when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Today I want to preach to a message simply entitled, The Spirit of Truth. The Spirit of Truth. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing upon these proceedings. I can do nothing, and I know I give this spiel almost every time I preach. But I really want to reemphasize that that the arm of flesh can do nothing that the greatest need in humanity cannot be solved through the government programs. It cannot be solved legislatively. It can only be addressed by the power and the spirit of the Almighty God that can change a soul from being wicked and from being a sinner to becoming righteous. And we want to enlist his aid. We've already experienced his power and his presence in this place during this worship service. And I want to continue it and actually want to see a greater degree, a greater manifestation of it. My, my objective today, if, if this is preached correctly, is that someone will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What inspired this message, I was, I was watching a, um, a preaching video and um, the preacher, he got up and he said that someone needs to receive the Holy Ghost. And there was this young lady who had been seeking for it for quite some time and she said, he said, tonight's your night. And he he began just to prophesy over her. And he said, when I lay my hands on her, you're going to receive it. And when he laid his hands on her, she began speaking another heavenly language. And as he did, when he laid hands on her, I felt the Holy Ghost quickening me. I I started speaking in tongues myself sitting there. And I heard these words, the spirit of truth. That God wants to send the spirit of truth. He wants the spirit of truth to be present in our churches. And I believe it's going to happen here today. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you. We bless you. We worship you as the only true and living God. There is no God beside thee, neither before thee, neither after thee. There is not a God like thee in the heaven and earth which keep His covenant, nor show, a serv- show uh, unto His service mercy. O God, unto a thousand generations, there's no one like you. We bless you and we praise you. We worship and adore you. We ask, O God, let the Spirit of truth pervade in this place. Remove every spirit of deception. Remove and cast away every spirit that would try to stop Your hand from having its way. In in this place. I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of God would manifest so tangibly, so strongly that it would draw sinners from the streets that they would find an old cross and find an altar where they could repent and turn from their sins. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your spirit reprove and rebuke and correct. Instruct us in the ways of righteousness. Have your way in a mighty way. Let there be signs and wonders and miracles done in our midst that no one could gainsay nor deny or resist the power of your majesty. Have your way in this place. we bring bless you we worship you and we give you the glory and in jesus name let the church of the living god say amen you may be seated i want to talk to you today about the spirit of truth and in order to do that i must first define my terms that i want to give just to kind of keep this simple you can get into all sorts of philosophical theory and things regarding defining what truth is But I want to try and keep this simple and just to two uh, definitions or two aspects or attributes to defining what truth is. That first, truth is absolute and it is objective, it is unique, and it is distinct. I want you to remember that point. That truth is absolute, it is objective, it is unique, and it is distinct. That we are living in a postmodernistic society that would offer unto you the suggestion that truth is relative, that it is a matter of preference, that it is a matter of opinion, of taste. But I want to submit unto you that truth is absolute. That doesn't matter if you're in Zimbabwe or China or Israel or Milwaukee, one plus one still equals one. Doesn't matter if you're in space, doesn't matter your socioeconomical status, doesn't matter if you have a job, doesn't matter if you're married or single, that that is still the same, that truth is absolute, it is tangible, it is something that we can rely upon, and it is consistent, and it is distinct. Number two, that truth is exclusive and non-contradictory. That in order for anything to be true, it has to exclude false realities or false premises. Everything cannot be true, contrary to what you might have heard. Everything cannot be true because that would introduce contradictions. It's one of the laws of logic about the law of non-contradiction. For something to be true, it must correspond to reality in some way. It must be logically consistent. It must be empirically adequate. And it must be experientially relevant, meaning that it's relevant to our current experience. And the fact of the matter is that the devil's primary objective from the beginning has been to assault truth. His greatest weapon is not necessarily force, but his greatest weapon is deception, is misdirection, is lies and deceit. And so his greatest enemy, of course, to his lies and his deceit in order for him to wield power and influence is that of truth. Therefore, for something to be ambiguous based upon the two attributes that I just gave— The truth must become indistinguishable from the false. The homogenization of facts and ideas must occur so that the differences between the true and false can no longer be distinguished, nor can they be seen. In order for something to be true, it has to exclude certain things. Not everything is true, and that exclusion gives it its boundaries and gives it its definition. And the fact of the matter is, in order to erase the truth, Satan has to remove the boundaries between the true and the false so that the false looks true. ...so that there is no distinction. What makes things, something hard to tell the difference between a counterfeit and something that is real... ...is that it looks so close to the real article that you cannot distinguish the difference. From creation, when God was creating the entire universe... ...we see Him separating things in order to give them distinction because He is a God of truth. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Psalm 33 verse 4... ...for the word of the Lord is right and all His works are done in truth. When God created the heavens and the earth... He He did it from the aspect of doing everything by truth. When God created the heavens and the earth, he separated the light from the darkness. Notice the separation in order to accomplish the distinction. He separated the waters from the firmament. He separated the waters from the land. And he separated the nation unto himself from all the other nations because God is holy. The word holy means to be set apart. So everything about God is distinct and unique. There is not a God like our God who is eternal, who has no beginning and has no ending. Yet he is the beginning of all things. That we serve a God that although he is the good shepherd he also is the land that was slain from the foundations of the world. That we serve a God who in, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 15 verse 3 is called a man of war. But yet in Isaiah 9 6 he's called Wonderful Counselor the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He said that we serve a God that, that is eternal a God that is inexhaustible a God who is the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end He is the first and He is the last that He is omnipresent, omniscient omnipotent, all powerful, almighty El Shaddai, there is no God like our God that he is the rock of ages, he is Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent one he is Elohim, the eternal one before the world was brought forth, before the mountains came into being, that he is God the I am, that I am Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness hallelujah Jehovah, Shiloh the Lord our peace, Emmanuel, God with us, that he is the Line of the tribe of Judah, that he is the root and the offspring of David, that he is the branch, the Messiah, the anointed one, the captain of our salvation, the bishop of our souls, he is the amen, the faithful and the true witness. He is the bright and morning star. He is the great I am. He is our all in all. He is the fountain of living waters. Yet he is the bread of life. That he is the way, the truth. He is the resurrection and the life, the door into eternal salvation. There is no God like our God. And God commands this edict unto his people that he wants his people to be holy. For he says in his word, be holy even as I am holy. That God wants his creation to have distinction. He wants it to have uniqueness and identity. And everything that we are seeing in our culture on a mass scale is the erasing of anything that is distinct. Everything is homogenous. You cannot tell the difference between anything anymore. A he looks like a she and a she looks like a he. And we can't even use those terms anymore. We don't know what bathroom to go into. We don't know what is truth. What everything is subjective, moral, and ethics are, are all just your preference and your taste. It's all homogenous. You can't tell the truth anymore. And now with AI, you definitely can't tell what the truth is anymore. They've got Scammers have gotten so smart that they can just need three seconds of your voice to replicate your voice. And then they can call your loved ones and scan them into giving them money. That we live in a reality that unfortunately is of alter- alternative facts and that we have to have fact checkers and we have to, all sorts of agendas and propaganda that's being propagated in our, in our society because it's so hard to tell the truth. Why? Because that's the enemy. His objective is to cause confusion. And sadly to say, you can't tell a saint from a sinner these days. You can't tell a man of God from a, from a sinner these days because everything looks the same. The preacher gets in the pulpit looks like he just came from a 50 cent video. You can't tell the difference anymore. Everything looks the same. Is this a church or a nightclub? People come to Jesus to find help, to find salvation, to find restitution, to find rejuvenation, to find renewal in their soul that is thirsty for the eternal life that we have within inside of us, but instead they get entertainment, instead they get their senses tickled, their ears tickled, instead they get a good, a good positive message that makes them feel good, but changes absolutely nothing. No distinction. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, That wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will to receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That God wants his people to have distinction and to have separation. It is because of this lack of separation that the world, it stands at odds with God. Because it wants everything the same All religions are true, all philosophies are right All ideas are okay and acceptable We want the poor to be rich And want the rich to be poor and share the wealth We want everything homogenous We want equality and we want equity We want to share everything Everything's going to be the same there cannot, there cannot be anything greater than anything else It's all the devil Because he wants to make everything the same So you can't tell the difference Look at John chapter 14 verse 16 Jesus at the last supper says this and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but he know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Now pay close attention here, that Jesus says that the world cannot receive the Spirit of truth. It cannot, it is at odds, it is resistant to the Spirit of truth, of truth. And that's why we're seeing so much nonsense going on in our society because they are resistant. They're immune to truth that they will not receive it. First Corinthians 2.14, the the apostle Paul goes on to describe this. First Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That in order to receive the truth, it is not arrived at intellectually. It's not that you discover a formula or you do enough study and research. That truth comes by revelation, by the Spirit of Almighty God. That in order to be saved, you cannot just argue yourself into salvation. There must be a supernatural divine encounter with the just one in order for you to be saved. Only the Spirit of truth can truly reveal unto you truth. Now here's the thing, folks. That when truth loses its distinction, it also loses its value and becomes irrelevant. When everything looks the same and your truth is just as good as mine, what value is truth in general? Why even appeal to an authority of truth? It's all the same. Your opinion is just as good as mine. I can choose this. You can choose that. Que será será. What will ever be will be. Turn then to John chapter 18 verse 37 here. This is when Jesus is on trial with Pilate and the Jews have levied accusations against him and have made the charge that he is trying to overthrow the government. He's some sort of counter-revolutionary. And Pilate is questioning Jesus to find out what's going on here. John 18, verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find him no fault at all. Now here's the thing. Pilate raises the question. He asked, what is truth? But if you notice, he did not wait for the reply. He did not wait. He asked, what is truth? But he didn't wait for the reply. And the reason why? Is because despite his accusers positions of righteousness, which was the Jewish Pharisees, the chief priests and leaders of the law, teachers of the law, truth was irrelevant. It was completely irrelevant. It was almost a rhetorical thing. What doesn't matter what the truth is? These guys want you dead. They don't care about the truth. And no matter what evidence I provide to show them that you're technically, you're innocent, you've done nothing wrong, these guys are going to still come at you. And that's what happens. Because no matter what Pilate does to appease them, They basically said, no, we're not satisfied until Jesus is dead. We're not satisfied until he's dead. Here's what Pilate did. Pilate first said, you know what, I can release the prisoner. They said, no, we want, want Jesus to be dead. Then Pilate tries to go to Herod. That doesn't work out. Pilate says, I'll chastise him. And so then he whips the mess out of Jesus to this, uh, an inch, within an inch of his life. And he has a crown of thorns thrust into his head. And he's blooded and massed. He said, that, maybe that will appease them. He said, no, crucify him. Because the mob does not care until the truth is dead. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. It's not enough. It is not enough that you just, you know, hide the truth a little bit. Or you compromise with me and maybe agree with me a little bit or affirm my lifestyle. No, you got to get rid of the truth completely before I'm satisfied. And that's what we're seeing right now with the woke mob, that you cannot appease them at all. doesn't matter how many concessions you give. doesn't matter how many laws you give them. No matter how many licenses you give them. They're not satisfied to the truth of Jesus Christ. It's completely eradicated. They, they won't teach Jesus in schools, but they'll, they'll let the Muslims pray. They'll come and they'll mock Jesus, but they won't mock Muhammad. Because they know they'll get their fool cells blown up. That's why. Even though Islam is much more harsh on women and all the other things that they say that they're about, they'll come after the Christians. Why? Because they, they want the truth to be dead in order for them to manipulate and to deceive individuals. It's all, a, it's all a card game in trying to get people to be manipulated into what they want to have pushed. And so because of this, this becomes a mechanism by which uh, they can justify anything they want. The mechanism by which they al- allow truth to be destroyed is their own lust and their own desires. Because they're not after truth. This was a justice case where they didn't care about justice. It was not about the truth. They just wanted their lust satiated and they wanted the truth to be buried and to be removed. Second Timothy 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 2 says this. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, "...exhort with all along suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth." And shall be turned unto fables. The truth becomes mythology. It becomes legend. The Bible is just another book of mythology. Just like Greek mythology. Just like any other religion. It's all about equalization and homogenization. So that you cannot distinguish between the two. And so then we got people that are preaching nonsense. And preaching all sorts of things that make them feel can affirm where they are. Instead of telling them the truth. Ultimately the destruction of truth occurs not in just the twisting of facts but in our perceptions by which we receive and interpret those facts. You can have all of the facts and still come to a false conclusion because the primary problem, as I said before, is not intellectual. It is spiritual. I could come with all the evidence, all the facts. They had all the facts. The Jews had all the facts that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies and they did all the miracles. And despite all of that, it did not matter to them. All they wanted was the truth to be killed. It's not just an intellectual problem, it's a spiritual problem. I want to read you this article. This, I think, is a good, gives you a good idea of where we're at in society right now. This is from People magazine. This is about a woman who blinded herself. She, she did this on purpose. It was not an accident. She intentionally blinded herself. I want you to listen to this article. Ever since she was a little girl, Jules Shooping dreamed of being blind. The North Carolina resident was born perfectly healthy, but she became so obsessed with losing her sight that at the age of 21, she took matters into her own, her own hands. Shooping claims that she had a psychologist, poor drain cleaner, in her eyes, then waited to seek medical attention. Afterwards, she gradually lost her eyesight and is now almost completely blind, she says. So she found someone to help her go blind. A psychologist. She found a professional psychologist. To help her lose her eyesight because she believed with all of her heart that she should be blind. I should have been born blind. Now listen to this. This is a quote from her. I really feel this is the way I was supposed to be born, that I should have been been blind from birth, the 30-year-old says. Shooping was has body integrity, identity, disorder, a rare condition causing able-bodied people to believe they are supposed to be disabled. She has long fantasized about being blind. When I was young, my mother would find me walking in the halls at night. When I was three or or four years old. She then goes to say, by the time I was six, I remember that thinking about being blind made me feel comfortable. Shooping acquired a white cane in her teens and could read Braille fluently by the time she was 20. She still had her eyesight at this time. As the years progressed, so did her desire to be blind. So she decided to take matters into her own hands. In 2006, Shooping claimed she found a sympathetic, Sympathetic psychologist Who agreed to pour drain cleaner Into her eyes The two first met for a few weeks To make sure shooting was ready They talked about this for weeks Weeks they talked about How we can make you go blind And you okay with this? You're, you're you're good with this decision? Oh yeah I'm good with this I've, I've been wanting this my whole life Okay then let's do it Incredible She says on that quote It hurt, let me tell you I wonder why Surprise! You didn't see that coming? I mean... It hurt, let me tell you. My eyes were screaming and I had some drain cleaner going down my cheek, burning my skin, Souping says. All I could think was, I'm going to be blind. It's going to be okay. Oh, it gets worse. The two waited for 30 minutes before going to a hospital where doctors worked to save Shooping's eyesight, but the permanent damage was already done. And over the next six months, Shooping's eyesight gradually faded. Shooping has refused to name the psychologist who, she says, helped her blind herself. I was so happy. I felt that this was who I was I was supposed to be. Shuping explains. Shooping's decision to blind herself put a strain on her relationship with her family. She initially told them she lost her eyesight in an accident, but upon learning the truth, Shuping's mother and sister cut off contact with her, she claims. However, Shooping says she has never been happier. Never been happier. And does not regret her decision. Although she does not recommend her drastic method to others. Don't go blind the way I did. I know there is a need... But well, perhaps someday there'll be treatment for it. She's saying, the, the, I hope that there'll be better ways for you to blind yourself. The way that it was too painful, it was worth it, but it was too painful. Let's see if we can get better treatment to get people blind. To help you with your disorder. That people have chopped their legs off, removed their limbs because of this, because they felt like I was supposed to be born disabled. She goes on to say, People with BIID get trained to run over their legs, freeze-dry their legs, or fall off cliffs to try to paralyze themselves. It's very dangerous, and they need professional help. Now, Shooping, who is studying education, wants to both raise public awareness of the condition and help other blind people live independent lives. She admitted that she understands why some people would be angry about her deliberately blinding herself, but she says, the way I became disabled doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, it does matter! It really does matter. She said, it doesn't really matter. I went blind on purpose, but I don't feel it was a choice, she says. I I think that's a pretty good analogy for how our society is. Because they want to be blind. And they'll look for professionals to affirm that your condition is okay. It's okay. Yeah, you probably were supposed to be born that way. Mother Nature, God made a mistake. And so let me help you with this. Let me help you blind yourself. Let me help you cut off your limbs. Why? Because they cannot deal with the truth that they're supposed to be healthy. So they'd rather maim themselves, disable themselves, make themselves a dependent on society because now she's other people to help her. Why? Because she's blind. She's now a parasite on society And others have to help her because she intended, intentionally blinded herself. Of course, we're angry. This is exactly what is happening in our culture. And sadly say, it's happening in the church. They have wrong desires and lusts and they desperately want to be true and they want them to be affirmed. But instead of correcting a false perception, we have churches and preachers feeding it. We have a whole culture that wants to blind themselves from the truth. Thomas Sowell said this. When you want to help people, you tell them the truth. Let me finish this. When you want to help people, you tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. Because the psychologist still got paid. The psychologist still got his money. So I'll tell you, whatever you want to hear, as long as it thickens my wallet, I'll tell you, whatever you want to hear, as long as I'm popular and I got a stage, I'll tell you, whatever you want to hear, as long as you affirm me, and you placate me, and you justify me, and you, you, you hire me, we're losing a distinction. This person literally blinded themselves because they did not want to see the sunlight or see the sunrise and that's what's happening in the church we don't want any accountability we're just like the Pharisees we, we won't stop until the truth is dead and we'll, we'll justify it for our own lust and our own desires to say it's okay if I indulge in this it's okay if I watch this it's okay if I get in this relationship it's okay if I completely disregard and compromise my belief and lose my distinction of holiness and separation from the world it's okay because the church has lost the spirit of truth. it's why the world cannot receive him. It's, notice what Jesus said. He said, because they don't see him, neither do they know him. They don't see him, they don't know him because they're closing their eyes. They don't want to see him. I want to turn back here to John 16 verse 7. I'm not going to be before you much longer. John 16 verse 7. Jesus is speaking again. To his disciples at the Last Supper, he's giving them this, their final instructions. What I think is very interesting about the Gospel of John, about John as a writer in general, is that John uses the word truth more than any other writer. That his just in his Gospel alone, he has he has the word he has the word truth three times more than any other gospel writer. It appears throughout his gospel, the quote of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's John 14 verse 6. When Jesus says that God is a spirit and they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. That's John, John four twenty four. 24. That's John again. Throughout his gospel, you will see this theme of truth. You'll see it in his epistles. And the reason why is because John was trying to correct an error, a false teaching that was going on. So one of the teachings was that Jesus Christ was not God. That he was not truly God. While the other gospel writers, they start off with, for example, Jesus being a Jew. Matthew shows the genealogy of Jesus Christ going all the way to Abraham. Mark he writes about Jesus being the suffering servant, and showing his humility. While Luke shows that Jesus was a man, showing that his genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. But when John starts his gospel, he says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Because he wants the truth to know that Jesus was not just a moral teacher; he was not. Not just a good man; he was not just a prophet, but he was God Himself, manifest in the flesh, walking in our midst, that took upon our sins and our griefs to bear. So Jesus says this in John sixteen seven. Nevertheless I tell you the truth It is expedient for you that I go away For if I go not away The comforter will not come unto you But if I depart I will send him unto you What's very interesting is also That John wrote more about the Holy Spirit Than all the other ones did in their gospels That he emphasizes the Holy Spirit From John 14 onward He keeps emphasizing and talking about the comforter Or the advocate, the paraclete, the helper The one that is to come That would reveal Christ unto us Verse number says, and when he is come, notice this, that when the Comforter, when the Holy Spirit is come he's going to do three things first off, he is going to reprove, that word there is elgegno which means reprove, rebuke, convince, tell one's fault or to convict, to refute generally with a suggestion of shame of the person convicted, that the very first thing that the Holy Spirit does when it begins to operate and influence in someone's arena, in someone's life is that it rebukes and it reproves the person and convince them of sin. He said that when the spirit of truth is come, when the comforter is come, that he will reprove the world of sin and reveal unto them that you need a savior. That what you're doing cannot be affirmed. It cannot be authenticated. I did not okay that. I did not put my stamp of approval on that. My seal is not on that. That you got to come out of that thing. Lay down your sins and your burdens. Lay down your wickedness and come to me. Lay them down and yield yourself to me. He'll reprove them and convince them that you're wrong. Yes, you're wrong in your sin. It's wrong to live a filthy, unholy lifestyle. It's wrong to indulge in your lust and your desires. That you need to come out of darkness and into His marvelous light. When the Spirit of Truth comes into the church, He'll convince you of sin. He'll show you what's wrong because Jesus is called the Light of the World, and when light comes into the world, there is illumination and there is revelation that it pushes back the darkness so I can see clearly now that the rain is gone. You understand I'm trying to say when the spirit of truth comes he'll convince you of sin when the spirit of truth is come the Bible said that he'll reprove the world of righteousness, that he'll show what righteousness is, not subjective morality, not postmodernistic philosophy that says that truth is relative, that you're whatever you do is right or whatever I do is right but it'll show the absolute standard of truth, here I'll tell you why the church has lost its distinction John chapter 17 verse 17 says this, Jesus as he's praying at the last supper says sanctify them by thy truth thy word is truth we think sanctification is by what we wear or by what we do but sanctification comes through the word of God, what separates me from the falsehood is that I've got the truth down in my heart, I've got the word of God down inside of me that makes me preach, that makes me walk on the water because I've got a river of life flowing out of me, it makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors and sets the captive free I've got a river of life flowing out of me what separates us from a self-help taper, what separates us from the moose lodge what separates us from the club is we've got the truth we've got the word of God that tells us how to be born again we've got the word of God that tells a man how to live righteous we've got the word of God that tells us how to be holy sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth we got too many relativists uh, trying to say that I'm holy, that I'm not as bad as the next guy. I'm not as bad as this person over here. Uh, that the liar says, well, at least I don't steal. Uh, the thief says, well, at least I don't kill. Uh, the murderer says, at least I don't rape women. Uh, and the rapist says, well, at least I don't rape children. Uh, they compare themselves amongst themselves. Uh, but when you look at Jesus, uh, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, uh, when you look at the standard of heaven, uh, that as high as the heavens are from the earth, uh, so it is his righteousness above ours. Uh, he who humbles Himself himself just to behold the affairs of men that when the seraphim saw them, they cried holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory holy, holy, holy is he which was and is and is to come look to the word of God to get your truth go to the word of God to find sanctification thirdly When the spirit of truth is come the Bible says he will also reprove judgment. Now look what it says here in verse number 9. John 16 verse number 9. He says of sin because they believe not on me. That when the spirit of truth comes the Bible said that it will testify of Christ. It will testify of his crucifixion. It will testify of his burial. It will testify of his resurrection and his conquering over death, hell and the grave. And it will testify of his ascension. It will glorify Christ and one of the reasons why that we don't see the spirit of truth in the church because Jesus is no longer the center of our universe instead it is our own desires bless me O oh Lord, get the prayer of Jabez and enlarge my territory, give me a new job, God give me a new house God give me a new wife, God give me a new husband, instead of going to see God what's on your agenda instead we should say our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily prayer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He's no longer the sinner. If you want the Holy Ghost to show up then start glorifying Jesus. The word of God says that the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. he goes on to say in verse 10 of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more Jesus said as long as I was on the earth I was a beacon of hope I was the lighthouse that illuminated the world and showed them the wicked ways but now that I'm going unto the father I'm sending the spirit of truth to take my place to convict the world of sin and show them righteousness verse 11 John 16 11 of judgment now look at this because the prince of this world is judged when the the spirit of truth comes, it causes the enemy to stop his operations because the Bible says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies and the works of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Everything he does is of a lie. He does not abode in the truth. When the spirit of truth comes, the enemy loses his power. When the spirit of truth comes, that sickness that looks like it's lethal becomes suddenly healing, healable. When the truth comes, those bills that look like you can't pay suddenly become feasible again because with God I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me? What shall we say to these things of God before us? Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, so shall not with him also freely give us all things. We need the spirit of truth. It's, this is why people don't receive the Holy Ghost because they can't handle the truth. They can't handle the truth. They can't handle it because what they have to do is they have to fully acknowledge that they are wicked. They have to fully acknowledge their depravity and their complete dependency on Jesus Christ to make them righteous. And this is why that the world cannot receive the spirit of truth because they're arrogant and they're prideful. What month is being celebrated right now? We got a whole month. We got parades. We got parties at the White House with flags being draped over the White House. Boasting about how proud we are about what we're doing. And we wonder, they wonder, why can I see this thing in the Bible? Why don't I have what you have? Because you don't want the truth. Get your psychologist and go get the drain cleaner. Go get your psychiatrist. Let's get the chainsaw. Let's cut those legs off. Because you were supposed to be born that way. You're supposed to be that. But we need the spirit of truth to separate us from the world. Let's stand. Let's stand. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the heart. It's able to divide soul and spirit. That's why the word of God is the only thing that can separate us from the world. It's the only thing. And that's why people are still staying in sin because they don't want the spirit of truth. Because when the spirit of truth comes, it's going to separate you from the world. What lies has the enemy told you? That you've taken hook, line, and sinker. That has caused you to lose sanctification. We don't talk about sanctification a lot anymore sanctification about, I mean, those old folks knew something. I tell you what, they, they knew some things. So back in my home church in, uh, in, in Michigan, there's a library that's, there. I'm not sure if it's still there, but there was when I was there, they had a library and on this, in this library were records of every church service that had ever occurred since 1970. And in these records, you can look up on this date, it will tell you who preached what, it even told you the weather, told you the attendance, told you who testified, told you who sung what songs, but it also told me miracles. I mean crazy miracles. Hearts that were that were falling apart, that suddenly had brand new hearts. I mean miracles. Because they had a spirit of truth and they had sanctification. The more that we we look like the world, the more that we act like the world. It, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're losing your identity. This whole thing about identity. All the different genders they've invented, and people still don't know what they are. We're trying to make we're trying to make things simple. You've made this the most confusing thing I've ever heard of. I mean, I gotta double check who I am when I'm looking in the mirror these days because of all the stuff that's going on. That's how it's confusion. Why? Because everything's homogenous. Everything's the same. But what we need is the spirit of truth. And when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to reprove. He's going to rebuke you. He's going to show you your sin. He is then going to show you what righteousness is. And then he's going to judge the prince of this world. He's going to separate you from your taskmaster called the devil. When the spirit of truth has come. If you want the spirit of truth, if you're truly seeking it sincerely, you will receive it. Because when the spirit of truth comes, the Bible says he will guide you into all truth. All truth. He'll set you on a pathway where you'll begin to see so clearly the revelation of God. When well, like I say, when I watched that lady receive the Holy Spirit, there was such a sincerity in her. She's like, I've come, I come with nothing. God take everything. You can't compromise with God. God wants it all. It's all or nothing. You've got to lay your all on the altar. Everything. There's no com over. No, because here's the other thing. This wasn't my mess, but I just throw this out as a freebie. I was I was listening to the testimony of Jackie Hill Perry. I'm not sure you've ever heard of her. She's a, a former lesbian, a Christian hip hop artist, poet amazing preacher and she was giving her testimony about how she got delivered from homosexuality and the thing is she was arguing with God about this whole different thing, this whole thing about homosexuality, one thing that she realized during her struggle is that she looked at salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ as a, as a call to heterosexuality that whenever we're preaching homosexuals, we're preaching for them to become straight and she said that's false, that's not true because that's not the end game, he says. She said that homosexuality is just a leaf on the tree of sin. The real issue is sin. This, this is amazing what she said. She said instead, what God was calling wasn't to, to being heterosexual. He was calling me to be holy. I mean, I was like, wow. When we're preaching to homosexuals, we're preaching about this stuff. We're not, we're, we're focusing on one sin, but that's just the leaf. But the thing is, and we'll, we'll, we'll let God take this one sin, but we'll leave these other ones to ourselves. All of us had that one, y'all know what I'm talking about. That one thing. When she started giving her testimony, she had a, a, a lesbian call her up and, and it's calling her a bigot and calling her judgmental. And she's like, wait a minute, hold up a second now. She's like, if homosexuality was an issue for you, would you say God would be pleased with you right now? She said, no, I don't think he would. So that's not really the main issue. The main issue is that you're a sinner. That's the main issue. This is just a leaf on the branch. The main issue is that we're sinners, completely sinners. And we're calling homosexuals to be married, to be straight, when there's not going to be any marriage in heaven. But holiness will still be there. so here's the thing I'm not calling you to give up just one sin this is not altar call just to lay one sin down this is not a, a hokey pokey altar call where you just put one foot in and you take it back out and you put your one foot in and you shake it all about you do the hokey pokey you turn yourself around you think that's what it's all about no one foot no left side in no everything he's calling you to holiness. That's why he's called the Holy Ghost. That's his thing, is holiness. If you want holiness, you can receive it today. It cannot be manufactured. You can't put on the right outfit and that'll make you holy. You can have it on the Pope's robe, you can still be a low down rotten sinner. Doesn't matter. God is calling you to be holy by truly relying on Him. And when that happens, the spirit of truth will come in. Could you put on um, Psalm 51, Psalm 51 verse 6. Put Psalm 51 verse 6 on the screen real quick. Behold, thou desirest what? Truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God wants you to be honest. He wants you to be true to yourself. True with yourself so that he could be true with you it says God when when David was praying his, his prayer of repentance he said behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts in the hidden part the part that's concealed the part I don't want anyone else to see thou shalt make me to know wisdom are you going to be honest with God and quit hiding, hiding stuff back don't be like Ananias and Sapphira yeah I gave all the money what did Peter say you're not lying to me you're lying to who It's a dangerous thing Don't keep back part of the money Don't keep back part of your soul Part of your heart Part of your life He's calling you to holiness Spell holiness W-H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S Holiness I could go on this all day But I'm going to leave you all alone (laughs) These altars are open if you want to receive the spirit of truth you can but you've got to be honest with yourself and honest with him don't deceive yourself like a lot of the people on the street are who think they're good without God, they're in the spirit of error and they will not hear the truth no matter how much scripture, no matter how many scientific evidence you give or how much philosophy you spout at them it's not an evidence problem it's a spiritual problem It's not intellectual, it's an issue of the will of the heart. You've got to make a choice today that I want to receive the spirit of truth. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. If you really want to get your identity, get it from Christ. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore if any man being Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, built all things have become new. These altars are open. If you want to receive the spirit of truth, come. Come and receive Christ. Come and receive his love and his joy. Come. Take up your cross and follow him. Take up your cross and follow him. Lay everything on the altar. God, I'm not going to hold back any more sins. I want to be holiness. That's what you want. You want to be to be holy. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray before I come down the altar I want to give a general prayer to the whole church and I want the spirit of truth just to sweep across this church the spirit of truth where the church feels the need to repent because when the spirit of truth comes there's repentance I don't care you've been saved 40 years there's something in our hearts that we can repent of I know there is I'll I'll be, I'll be the first one up here to say all of us because the judgment must begin at the house of God the spirit of truth comes when there is repentance because that's what he's come to do. It's to us of sin, to reprove us of righteousness, and to judge the enemy. Let us pray. Father, Father, we commend this right now into your hands. God, I can do nothing without you. Right now, Lord, we invite your spirit to convict us, to reprove us, to rebuke us, to correct us. Father, we want the truth more than we want anything else. More than our lusts, more than our desires, more than our dreams. We want you. Make us holy. Let this be a holy, sanctified church a church that is unspotted, unwrinkled, separate from the world, that is without error, that fully yields itself to you and surrenders itself to you. We confess our faults, we confess our sins, we confess our mistakes, we confess our idolatry of putting other things above you. We confess, oh God, all the sins that are in our hearts and we give it to you. Father, chastise us. Father, correct us. Create in us a clean heart, oh God. Renew our spirit within us. Cast us not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Restore unto us the joy of thy uphold us with thy free spirit. In the name of Jesus, let the spirit of truth come right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Let, oh my God. Let the spirit of truth come right now. Come in this place. Put us on our